Welcome to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society and the ultimate destination for athletic training professionals, students, and educators looking to learn more about sports medicine and athletic training. In each episode, we'll dive headfirst into conversations with experts in the field, bringing you insights, stories, and cutting-edge information about athletic training and sports medicine. This week on Inside Athletic Training, we welcome in Max Esposito, the assistant athletic trainer for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Enjoy the show. All right, Max, welcome to Inside Athletic Training. Super excited to have you on for episode 36. Uh, we look forward to talking about your uh, your career and all things athletic training. Um, to let the listeners know, you know, you are a assistant athletic trainer with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, coming off a big win last night against the Brewers in the playoffs to open things up. Um, obviously a huge role with the club. We'll get into all that soon, but first, uh, let's share a bit about you. Um, let's start from the early days. Let, let the people know where you're from, um, kind of what sports were, were you into growing up and also how you found your passion for athletic training. Awesome. Well, uh, first off, Sam, thanks for having me I'm Super excited to be on. This is my first podcast, so I'm really looking forward to doing this with you. Um, in terms of early days where I'm from, I grew up in a small town, Ride, New Hampshire, and, uh, kind of got into sports. I think the same way anybody else, it was just my passion as a kid is what I enjoyed doing. Um, baseball was always the sport that I enjoyed the most. It was maybe the sport that I was best at. I was not some freak athlete. I wasn't the greatest athlete by any means, but just the sport that I was always enjoyed the most. And then I also mm-hmm. played basketball and soccer up, up through high school. And then, uh, the athletic career definitely ended ended after high school and just picked up some intramural stuff from from there. But the the story of actually getting into athletic training, I, I always joke with people, man. It, it, it kind of felt like it was the only thing that I was ever really interested in. Like as a as a kid, it was sports was kind of my life. That was my passion. That was what I liked to do. And then in school, like the things that I enjoyed doing, it was always like I loved physics and I loved anatomy. So you kind of take those two things and put them together and it creates kinesiology basically. And from there, I just started asking people that I trusted, like, what do I do with that as an, as an interest? And, uh, physical therapy was, was kind of the recommendation in high school. And then, um, athletic training came after that for me. So that, that's, that's kind of the, the road that I got into with it was just in a passion for, for kind of movement sciences. It was something that it sounds funny to say, but like, even in high school, it was like, what, what interested me. It was kind of what I enjoyed learning about. I remember taking an anatomy class in high school and being like, man, I'm, I always liked science, but I never really liked like the looking into the microscope and seeing small mm-hmm. dots that all look the same. It was like, people started talking about anatomy and muscles. And I'm like, man, I, I can like actually see this stuff and envision this stuff. And it was, just super interesting to me and kind of combo that with a great high school physics teacher. And I just always loved physics. So those two together kind of led me at least started me down this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's super interesting to hear, you know, from you and kind of that story about actually knowing what you want to do at an early age. I think there's so many people who are on the other side of the fence where really have no clue what they want to do until they get to college and go from there. So awesome to hear you. You really had this passion from early on. Um, and now, Max, you're one of the youngest athletic trainers in Major League Baseball, but you already have a ton of experience in the game. 
a uh, little bit of about your experience. You started in baseball with the Reds in 2016 uh, with a clinical rotation, worked a couple of internships with the D-backs. You spent time uh, as a physical therapist at the minor league level, also worked as a minor league medical coordinator and major league physical therapist before joining the major league club as an athletic trainer this year. Um, obviously a ton of quality experience there. I'm sure you learned so much from each stop, but throughout that journey to the big leagues as an athletic trainer, is there a certain stop on your way uh, that meant the most to you, or maybe that you learned the most from? Um, yeah, I think definitely. And, and the answer to both of those is probably the same role, which was my time as our Diamondbacks minor league medical coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest thing for me, the medical coordinator job was when I think I, I almost had like a passion shift in that job where I've always wanted to, like, since I was in school, I wanted to be a great clinician. And especially early on in my career, that's what I sought out was I wanted to learn from great clinicians. It's how I met a lot of my mentors. It's how I kind of got connected with the Diamondbacks was through all these people that I just knew that they were great people and they were great clinicians. And that's just what I wanted to be. And I got into this medical coordinator position and I mean, there's a conversation I had with, it was Ken, Nate, Dip in the room. And, and it's one I'll never forget where they, they kind of laid it out to me of like, Hey, in this job, like you're not just here to grow yourself, but you actually have responsibility for other people and for this team now, right? Like you have, you have responsibility to care for your teammates. And that was the first time that anybody had put that on my plate as a responsibility was to like care for other people and look out for other people and not just help myself and my development, but help other people in theirs as well. And it, it kind of shifted my passion towards more of culture building and helping other people develop. And like, Mm -hmm. what can I do to make you the best version of yourself? Not just what can I do to make myself the best clinician? That was, that was kind of always the going school, right? Seeking out all these opportunities. How do I grow as a clinician? Who can I learn from? But now what can I do to help other people reach whatever their goal is, right? It doesn't have to be to be the best clinician, but whatever my teammates are looking to do. So that shift there was like such a profound moment for me because it kind of took me down a different path in terms of like, I started reading more books on culture and leadership Mm -hmm. and trying to understand different sides of that. I was asking way more questions about the culture side and the development side of things to, mm-hmm. to other people while still maintaining a, a huge passion to try and be a, a great clinician as well. So that was definitely like the most, I guess, important stop for me. Cause it was just like this big shift in, I guess, the way that I almost go about my, my work on a day-to-day basis. And then Definitely the the one where I learned most is the medical coordinator. I think naturally you just get so many reps and you get an opportunity to make so many different mistakes and have so many opportunities to learn from those things as a medical coordinator that it's hard it's hard not to learn a lot in that position. There's just there's mm-hmm. so many different times and there's so many different like I was looking at things from an AZL lens all the way up to a triple A moving into the big league lens. Uh, I got a pretty unique opportunity in 2020 for better or worse as the medical coordinator during kind of that COVID time where we were working Mm -hmm. the alt site. So I had never been to an affiliate before. Um, My path kind of started as a physical therapist working rehab. So the, the alternate site kind of almost became this affiliate type of uh, opportunity for me. So I got a really good chance to work really closely with dip who's somebody I work with every day now, but, and, Mm -hmm. and just like the communication of like, 
almost the same thing that a triple a trainer would have, right? A guy's coming up to the big leagues. How do we communicate that? We've got a guy we're treating in triple a. That's a 40 man guy that might end up in the big leagues. How are we communicating all that? Making sure that everybody has the right information. So as much as, as much as I would never want to run back the the 2020 COVID season for Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons, it was, um, there's a little blessing in disguise there that I, I got a chance to kind of get a feel for what that level of communication is like at an affiliate too. So that was, mm-hmm. uh, that, that job and, and the way it played out for me in the, the couple of years that I was in, it was, was really uh, fortunate for me and definitely something I learned a lot from. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk about the, I guess, kind of the selflessness that, that comes with what you're doing now and how you learned that and had kind of like a profound mindset change. And it, it reminds me a lot of the people you work with every day and Ken Crenshaw, Ryan DePamphilo and, and the people over in Arizona who, I've gotten to know him well over the past, you know, handful of years and nothing more than selfless people who really want the best for others. So it really makes sense that, that you kind of learned that and, and morphed into that mindset. Um, I want to get a little more into kind of how you got your start. So a lot of our listeners are going to be students who are athletic trainers who want to break into the game, who want to be in your exact position, you know, in the playoffs, at the big league level, doing amazing things. Um, Talk a little bit about how you were able to break in, uh, whether that's with the Reds uh, clinical rotation or the D-backs internship. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll try to give the the semi-brief version of of the story, but it, it goes back to my my time at, at Northeastern, there was a, a guy kind of running the sports medicine department over there named Art Horn. And then there was a professor of mine named Adam Thomas. And like those, those two people are the reason that I'm in baseball, right? Like they're the people that put me on this path and kind of started me down that road. And uh, it was funny. So it started with Adam. Um, he, he had worked in baseball before and I told him I was interested in it. And he's like, you got to reach out to minor league medical coordinators. So he helped me put together a, um, basically like a kind of blanket email that I would shoot out to all these different medical coordinators. He's like, well, you got to figure out who the medical coordinator is and how to get in contact with them. So mm-hmm. I ended up, um, I would, I would just get the phone number for front offices and I would just call and ask for their minor league medical coordinator email. And, um, surprisingly they hand a lot of those out pretty easily. And then some, <laughs> some organizations would not, but, um, one, one thing I learned, I learned back then is that everybody has the same, email. So it's basically, usually it's like first initial last name at dbacks.com or something along those lines. So if they wouldn't give me the medical coordinator, I'd, I'd actually call back a couple of days later and ask for somebody else. I just pick like a random employee. And once you get the right person on the phone, they're like, Oh yeah, this is it. And then you yeah. can on the website, get the name. So that was, that was my, my start. Like that was, that was the first thing that started me on this path to baseball. And what's what's funny about it is I sent 30 emails and one team worked out, which was actually the reds. And then unfortunately through like other timing and uh, some other details from the school to the reds, the co-op, which is the internship program that I was trying to do through Northeastern, it just didn't work out. So I kind of moved on from that. And then uh, within weeks, probably art horn, was like, Hey, um, I got a great friend that, that works for the Diamondbacks. His name's Neil Ramp and the Diamondbacks are playing mm-hmm. the Red Sox in Boston, which the new schedule that happens more often, but back then that happened like once every six years. And it just so happened to be within the weeks of me looking for this internship opportunity. He's like, Neil's going to be here tomorrow morning. I know you're interested in baseball. Like 
just come down and meet him. And, and I ended up sitting there and I don't think I said a word the whole time, but I just listened to Neil and Art talk for four hours. And it was two smart dudes talking way over my head. But I was like, this is, this is where I want to be. And Neil was great. He was like, oh, you, you got to connect with our medical coordinator, Andrew, and we'll see if we can get you out for an internship. And I didn't mention that I'd already asked them and hadn't heard back or anything like that. So I, I took full advantage of that. And then through connections with, with Neil and with Andrew, that, that was my first internship, um, in 2014 with the, with the Dimebacks came from that. And what was really cool is that Brad Epstein over with the Reds, who was the one that had gotten back to me and said, yeah, let's do this. Let's get you an internship. When it didn't work out, he, he immediately actually reached out to me and was like, Hey, let's, let's make sure we get you in as a clinical student instead, because we know that will work out. That's a connection that we already have. So I ended up doing the, the 2016 internship was actually my, my final clinical rotation. And that was, that was with the Reds as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a great story. And I think that's like a, a good lesson to kind of share with anyone looking to get into your position is just how resourceful you were. Um, whether it's, you know, calling front offices when you probably, you know, don't know who you're trying to reach or shouldn't be or whatever, you found a way. Um, and if you want it bad enough, you'll, you'll make that happen. So kudos to you for, for that effort there and, and allowing yourself to, to break into the game. Um, getting into kind of the minor league aspect when you did finally break in, um, you know, I know it's, uh, such a learning curve in the minor leagues for athletic trainers. Um, we had Ryan DePanflo, head athletic trainer, uh, for your Diamondbacks on a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about the importance of learning and making mistakes and kind of finding your way at that level. Um, can you expand a bit on the importance of the time you spent in the minor leagues and, and how that was instrumental in, in your development as a professional? Yeah, I'd have to echo what what Ryan said on that one. It's, it's just, it's opportunity to get reps and make mistakes. And I think, I think part of the like freedom to make mistakes comes from the team that I work with. That, that was another part of that meeting that I had when I became the medical coordinator was, I mean, Ken Dip and Nate, they sat right there and they said, just so you know, like, we won't let you fail in this position. Like you're going to make a ton of mistakes. We want you to make those mistakes. We want you to learn from those mistakes. And we're going to push you really hard to keep learning and keep getting better so that you cannot fail in this position. Right. And that that's, there's just like a freedom in hearing that is like, I've got these guys that have been doing it for however long they've been doing it that are like at the absolute top of this game. And I know that no matter what decision I make, like they're going to have my back on it. They're going to try and make me better for it. And, mm-hmm. and so I, it, it just opens up this like freedom to make mistakes that the dime, it's kind of funny. The Dimebacks is really, all I know because it's I interned with them outside of a clinical with the res. They were, they were my first job out of school too. So like, I don't know if that's the case everywhere else, but I think it's pretty special what we have. And just knowing that you have those kind of guys supporting you and like really like almost challenging you to like be okay with making those mistakes or I do the best you can every single day. But when those mistakes pop up, like they're just learning opportunities and use them and, and grow from them. And that that's what the minor leagues was for me. And that started before I was the medical coordinator too. That started in 2017 as the, the minor league PT. I, I remember, you know, writing early rehab calendars and, and I'm, I'm guilty of in, in 2017, you, you kind of come out of PT school and, and maybe you think, you know, a little more than you do. And you kind of come in wanting to almost, and I, I think this is, this is common for, for students and for, people coming out of school, like you want to show what you know, right? You want to be like, ah, I'm, I'm good at this stuff. I worked really hard in school. I want to show everybody what I know. And, and you kind of jump in too quickly. And again, just thankful for the, 
the team for like letting me know that is like, Hey, we, we don't need you to like run your offense right now. We just need you to <laughs> learn ours and, and run our offense. And we promise you, like, we've got a really good offense here and it's one you're going to want to learn. And I'm, I'm thankful that people got to me early on that. And I was able to, to embrace that and, and learn, learn those things. But again, I think it's just, that's the power of our team coming in in 2017 is I just had people that were immediate mentors and I'd write these calendars and I'd feel like they're perfect based on what I wrote. And then I'd ask them to double check and come back with all this red ink all over. It. And I'm like, cool. Like here's all the different things that I'm now better for because I understand why they're seeing it from this lens and why they want to do it this way. So that there's so many like mis- mistakes is sometimes a, a tough word on that. Like they're not really mistakes. They're not really failures. They're just like these opportunities to do something a little bit different that help make me a better clinician. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a testament to a great mindset on your behalf and, and in Arizona, um, viewing those as, like you said, not mistakes, not a way to, to fail, but just learning and, and, and kind of dropping the ego as we all had when we got out of yeah. college, I think is, yep. is absolutely crucial. And it, it's cool for you to share that with the, the students who are coming up. Um, one thing that's uh, a bit unique about your experience is your time as a physical therapist and your interest there. Um, can you talk a bit about the similarities and differences in the roles that that come with being an athletic trainer versus a physical therapist uh, and just kind of your experience of navigating both those roles at, at the pro baseball level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's, I guess there's kind of the like legal licensure side that's different that is maybe worth explaining a little bit on the baseball side of things. I, I think the the number one thing, and this is one of the big motivators for me going back to athletic training school is that as a licensed physical therapist, I, I just can't be out there and cover a field, right? Like somebody okay. else, some athletic trainer would have to be out there covering the field if I'm only a licensed PT. And so in that, it was like, cool, I have this role as a, a rehab person and I can be really good in this spot, but I'm I'm limited in all the other pieces that I can help this team out with. Like if, uh, if our AZL trainer needs a day, like I can't go and, and cover a game for them. And once I go back to AT school, I'm, I'm able to do that. So I guess from the licensure side of things, like that was the big motivator for me on the AT side of things from the clinician side of things. And, and this is where I think, again, our, our group is like potentially a little unorthodox in that we we push so hard on the continuing education side of things outside of just the education that you get from school that's so valuable that like the job that I took on in 2017 as the minor league physical therapist the year before I think Kyle Torgerson was doing it and we called it the manual performance coordinator maybe but like it was the same job and and he's an athletic trainer so the the PT world I think naturally people like think in the rehab space, but we had, we just had, and this is what I learned early. Like we had athletic trainers, we had strength conditioning coaches that were so good in this PT space of rehab mm-hmm. that like, as long as your continuing education is good, like anybody can really be successful in that role. Like I, I walked in and Kyle was there when I was a student, I learned so much from Kyle about how to be at that time, just a physical therapist. Like I was learning how to be a really good physical therapist from somebody that was not a physical therapist. So the having like those kind of mentors and maybe breaking down a little bit of that, like, like the PTs do this and the trainers do this and the strength coaches do this, I, I think is really valuable. I think it makes our 
team powerful knowing that uh, a strength and conditioning coach can write a great rehab program for our guys the same way that a physical therapist can probably write a pretty good strength and conditioning program for guys and I, I think there's there's power in understanding all those realms and then everybody does still have their specialties at the end of the day like the our minor league physical therapist role is still a rehab based role right now, but it's, I think there's a lot of power in everybody being able to wear a little bit different hat and at least understand everybody else's realms as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one thing I've always admired about the staff there in Arizona. Uh, I think it kind of stems from the top with, with Ken Crenshaw, who we'll get into talking a bit uh, later is just the, the family aspect and how everyone is on the same page moving in one direction, you know, no ego um, really just makes for a, a great staff and, and obviously great working relationships there for you guys. Um, the last question about the minor leagues that we'll get into, um, you know, you had a pretty quick ascent to the big leagues. I would say, you know, we've seen a lot of people spend decades and, you know, 20, 30 years in the minor leagues and never, never sniff the big leagues, which, you know, ultimately is everybody's goal. You believe as an athletic trainer, um, although your stint in the minor leagues was short, uh, how did you kind of keep telling yourself to stay patient and present when you're in the minor leagues, when ultimately you want to make that next step to the big leagues? That's a great, great question. I, I, I think for me, the, the one word that, that really comes to mind is, is trust on that. And that's, mm -hmm. that's trust in Ken, Dip, Nate, and the rest of the team of like, they want what's best for me. And I knew that from day one as an intern, that this team wanted what was best for me. And they knew that my goal was to one day work in the major leagues. But I did also tell them like, my goal wasn't just to like, I got to get to the big leagues and I got to get to the big leagues as fast as possible. My, my goal was to hopefully be really good in that role and in whatever role that I'm in. And then there's just a trust that like, they are going to put me on a path that's going to lead to success in a major league role whenever it is that I get there. And if that means that it's in two years because it's the fastest ascent you've ever seen, great. And if that means that it's 20 years because that's the path that I needed to be on, that's great as well. And I, I think there's like a freedom in, in knowing that of like, these guys have my best interest in mind and whatever role they ask me to play this year, I'm just going to try and dominate that role. And then whatever role I'd end up, I end up in next year. There's a reason that they're putting me in these roles. And I know that they always have my best interests in, in at heart. So that's, that's kind of the piece for me that I guess, made it relatively easy to follow the path that I happen to follow is that I just kind of let the people that are experts in this realm of professional baseball athletic training, just guide me the entire way down that path. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I, I was fortunate that that path did end up with a relatively quick path to the major leagues, but I don't, I don't think my goal was, was to get there quickly. I think my, my goal was, mm -hmm. was of course to get there. I think everybody's goal is, is to get there. But my goal was to, to just be great in whatever role I was in and continue to build myself as a clinician and as a human being so that if, and when I ever did get to a major league role, I would feel like I was good in that role as well. And then what's funny, man, is you, you get to this major league role and you start working with these guys every day and you realize that they're, they're even better than you, you thought they were. And it mm -hmm. just, it just motivates you to, to keep getting better as well. This, this year has been the year I would say more than maybe ever how much, how much I've learned this year, because I, mean, I just, I sit in an office every day with dip and Ben and Nate and Ken. And you're like, Oh man, this isn't, 
Like I, I thought I was learning a lot when I was getting phone calls from these guys once a week and, you know, spending spring trainings with them and bouncing down to chase once a homestand and stuff like that. Now, now I'm getting it every day. So the, the growth and the development has, has even taken off more than I expected to this year. But that, um, I guess that, that would be like the way I got there. The road I took was really just the, the road that they put me on. And, um, I'm thankful for those guys for, for allowing me to kind of follow them. Obviously, uh, Super empowering feeling with Ken Crenshaw and the guys kind of giving you that freedom to to trust their process and, and go forward in your career. Um, I couldn't talk about the Diamondbacks athletic training staff without talking about Ken, who we've mentioned a number of times. Uh, he leads the sports medicine department there in Arizona. Um, and a lot of our guests uh, seemingly have some sort of connection uh, to Ken. Um, I would say a lot of people would have him on their Mount Rushmore of athletic trainers in baseball, you know, from Taylor mm-hmm. Bennett to Kyle Torgerson, Ryan DePamflo, Brett Walker. Uh, you could go on for forever with a list of, of people who, who Ken have impacted. Um, in your opinion, what makes Ken such a great leader, such a great mentor? Because it seems like anyone who spends time with him, uh, just has such a great career going forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think naturally there, there's like a really long list of positive things that you could say about Ken. I'm sure you've gotten a pulse of that from all the different people you've talked to, but if I had to, if I had to narrow it down, there's, there's two things that come to mind for me, which is one is just overall work ethic is like truly amazing. And uh, it's like inspiring how hard he works. And then um, the amount of, of care that he has for, for our team and for each member of our team are the, the two things that I think makes him great. So I, I'll start on the work ethic side. It's, it's kind of funny. We, we joke about it sometimes at, at work, it, you'll, you'll go through a full day of spring training and then you'll be talking to Ken the next morning. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I had a great life, night last night. Like I talked to these three people and I did this podcast and I was reading through this book and I, I was learning about this. And I, uh, was, I was in the batting cage flipping with my kids and some of the other hitters from ASU. And you're like, well, in, in my head, I'm like, well, we left at six last night. It's 5 a.m. and we're back at the field. So, like, what did you, like, we, we joke, we're like, I think Ken found a way to have like 36 hour days. Like, the rest of us are running on, on 24 hour days and, and Ken's running a 36 hour day. But I, I think that's just the, that's the work ethic he has. Like, he, he, he just, he's always going. He's always trying to do something to better himself, to better our team. And, um, it's, it's fun to follow a guy like that. And then, the, the care man is, is something that I, I don't know that I'd ever seen it until I started working with Ken, especially once I got into the medical coordinator spot where you're, you're working a little closer with him on a, on a day-to-day basis. But he, he cares about each person on this team as, as a human being, not as a diamondback employee, but like he's, he's challenged me and he's, he's made me a better human being. And I, I think a lot of the people that have been around him would, would echo the same thing and, and having, that level of care for his team and his teammates, like it, it just builds this level of trust in Ken really quickly. And it opens up a space that I think he takes advantage of, of like, I I just, I trust what he says. And like, whether that's Mm -hmm. an easy conversation or a hard conversation, you want to listen and you want to hear what he has to say, because this isn't, you know, somebody trying to tell you, tell you something tough that, that you don't trust. It's like, whatever, whatever he says, I, I, I believe in kind of mm-hmm. the message that he's, he's delivering. And I think that's probably what helped make him great is that it starts with this like love for his teammates, this care for his teammates. 
and it builds a really, really quick level of trust that allows Ken to kind of help make each one of his teammates better, better people, man. It's not, it's not just better clinicians or better employees. It's, it's truly, he's made me a a better person. So, and I Mm -hmm. I think other people would, would probably echo that message, but those, those would be the two things that like, I guess, stand out. The the list is long on, on all, all the things that he, he does well, but those are the things, especially the care side of things is, is I think what makes him great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, that anyone that's kind of spent even a couple minutes with Ken, you know, I see him a, a couple of times a year at the winter meetings and things of that nature. Uh, he really makes you feel, um, like you're the only person in the room that he really cares about what's going on in your life. And it's a, it's a yeah. absolutely incredible trait. Um, and something that, that I think people are just drawn to him for good reason. Um, yeah. well now I want to get a, a bit more into this 2023 season, uh, for the D backs, obviously uh big win last night, uh, in Milwaukee against the Brewers, um, in the midst of a huge playoff series. Um, before we get into kind of the season and how that's gone um, on the field, I want to talk to you a bit about how your first season as a big league athletic trainer has been. Uh, have there been mm-hmm. any big surprises during your first year? Um, you know, how have things been for you at the highest level of athletic training in professional baseball? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been obviously an awesome first year. I, I think anybody would write up their first year and ending, ending with a, an opportunity to play in the playoffs and, and be in the position that we're in right now. So it's been, it's been a ton of fun. It's, it's had a ton of mistakes and a ton of learning opportunities, just like the last six or seven years has. Uh, I, I think one of the the biggest transitions for me in this like road into the, the first year in the major leagues is just understanding like how diligent every person is on every single detail on a day-to-day basis. I, I think in the that minor league medical coordinator role, like there's a lot of opportunities where like, mm, you know, let's, let's give this a day or two and kind of let it declare itself because you, you kind of have that freedom, right? Like if, if a guy's out for a couple of days while we're trying to decide exactly what's going on in the minor leagues, we're okay with that. And then you get into this major league realm where like, we got to make a call on this. Like we're going to make a decision today because we play again tomorrow and tomorrow's game matters just as much as today's game did. So that's, that's been a big piece of my transition this year and, and dips helped me a ton with that. That's, that's one thing. I, I mean, I can't thank him enough for like the whole year. He's just challenged me to learn and challenge my thought process. And like, you'll go through something and feel like you did, you know, did it right. And then he starts asking questions. You're like, Oh man, that's such a, like, I didn't see it from that lens. And a lot of that has been that transition from, from minor league to major league. And then as far as like, day-to-day activities and stuff like that. I know one of the big learning curves for me has been um, like the on-field stuff, the being in the dugout. And that's, again, I I didn't do an affiliate. So like my field visits are pretty limited to some alternate site field visits and alternate site field visits were a little different because there's nobody watching and there's no time restraint. If I want to take 20 minutes out there with a guy, I can because we're basically just scrimmaging our own team anyways during that Mm -hmm. alternate site. So the the transition into like being in a dugout during the game, having to observe all these different things going on, uh, going out for field visits. And uh, I do want to give a little shout out to Tori, our manager, because I've, I've joked with him is like, I think, I think Tori, when, at least when the season started was probably a better on field athletic trainer than I was. Like we went out for our first <laughs> field visit and I was, 
I was so appreciative because, like, I think naturally you're pretty nervous. Like, you're going out there and you're like, all right, I don't have a ton of reps in this. I'm going to do the best I can here. And I started asking questions, and Tori's right there with me, and he starts asking questions too. And every question he asks, I'm like, man, that's a great question. Like, <laughs> man, that's, I'm so, I'm so glad you asked that. And it's almost like there's, it almost felt like there was two trainers out there trying to make a decision on what we're going to do in this situation while also knowing that Tori has a trust in me to still make the final call on, on what we need to do with this mm-hmm. player. I don't think he, we were, we've ever during the season been on different pages, but it has been really nice having him out there because he has these little tricks and these things that he does during our, our field visits that actually help me a lot too, because it, whether it's a question he asks or even just like, something simple that he runs by the players like, Oh, that's really valuable information. And I'm glad you asked that because it helps me make my decision too. So, so that, that piece, that transition has definitely been challenging and, and new for me, but it's, it's been kind of cool. I was telling Tori that recently. It's like, hey, you're almost like a second trainer out there for me. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely helpful to have some experienced people in your corner like you do. Probably, you know, one of the arguably the best staff, most experienced staff in the league. So it must be, a big help for you getting, getting your feet wet this first year. Um, you know, like you mentioned, couldn't paint a better picture for a first year in the playoffs. Again, as we mentioned a win last night against the Brewers, I'd love to hear your take as someone who's experiencing the playoffs for the first time in a big league dugout. What was last night like for you? You know, the energy looked insane. super crazy on TV. Obviously it's a, a huge thing to get that first win in a three game series. But what was that like for you, your preparation during the game? How, how'd you go about soaking it all in last night? Yeah. During, during the game was definitely different. During the game was, it, it had this energy and I don't know if it was a little bit of just the game script too. Like the, it felt like every inning was stressful last night. And I, I don't know if that's because it was my first playoff game or if it was because every inning was actually stressful last night. But one one way or another, it, every single inning just had this awesome energy. And, and I think that was like in the dugout in the first inning, that was when I was like, oh, man, this is really a playoff game. Like it was mm-hmm. probably as loud as any stadium that we've seen all year. And usually when you get that level of noise, you know, your seventh, eighth, ninth inning of a regular season game, that's maybe a, a close game that matters for both teams. We, we played some games like that late in the year. So we had some really good crowds and a lot of energy, but it was late in the game. This, this was first, second inning, like immediate, lots of, lots of energy in the dugout, like lots of energy from the crowd. So that was definitely different. But before the game, I I was actually thinking to myself yesterday, like, you know, this feels surprisingly normal, right? It's still the same preparation for our guys getting ready. And and I think that's a little bit of a testament to our, our team and our players. They, they, they seem to have some pretty nice routines and guys, they stick to them. Like it didn't feel much different different leading up to the game but but once once it was 608 i think was first pitch once once 608 hit it was definitely a, a different atmosphere and it, it was it was a ton of fun obviously it's a little more fun when you end up winning the first one too but it, it was just a really awesome energy and an awesome atmosphere to be in mm-hmm. yeah great to hear about about that first time experience i'm sure everyone in your position in their first playoff game kind of has those butterflies and, and sees a huge difference in the intensity. And, and I think as a viewer, I think every inning was, was definitely stressful. So it wasn't just you there. Um, It definitely felt that way. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to another question kind of outside of this season, which we like to ask all of our guests. Uh, Love to hear your insight on what your favorite aspects of your job are. So 
A few of our previous guests have mentioned that getting someone back on the field healthy is really just an amazing feeling. Um, do you have a specific part of, of your job as an athletic trainer for the D-backs uh, that's kind of your favorite thing? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's it's like the working in a team atmosphere, like working with, I mean, our, our team, at least major league level on a day-to-day basis is Ken, Dip, myself, Ben, Junko, Nate, and Scott. And like work, working in that team environment every day and knowing that like, it's not my job to get this guy better. It's our job to get this guy better is, is like the most enjoyable and rewarding feeling on a, on a day-to-day basis for me, because you go in every day, like as a part of a team, right. You don't go into as a, as a clinician who's like, all right, I got to get, I got to get these guys better today. And it's on me to get these guys better. It's like, what are we going to do as a team? Each person has their own little specialties and their own ways that they're going to help. So maybe, maybe on a given day, I'm, I'm working with one of our outfielders. Right. But that doesn't mean that yesterday he didn't work with somebody else or that tomorrow or even today that I might be like, Hey, I, I did this with him, but I know that Ben, you're, you're way better on, on this side of things. Do you mind taking a look at this as well and seeing what you think? We, we bounce ideas off each other. So the, the reward of like being in the setting is, is probably less in the, like, like it, it's a great feeling to get a guy back on a field. And, but I think the reward is knowing that like we together as a team work to get this guy back on the field and like the, the, like almost camaraderie that that comes from doing that and and just also being in the the same room with these these great clinicians and for myself that means that i'm learning i I learn new techniques i learn i learn just new ways to look at different things every single day because of the way that we share like the guys that we work on that that's it opens up an avenue for me to ask ben like hey i've been working on this guy last couple days what do you think what would you do with this guy and then he takes a look at him. He works sometimes. I mean, we, we've co-treated a couple guys this year where it's like, it, it's, it's actually kind of cool. Cause when I was a student, uh, one of my clinical rotations is a PT clinic that Ben was one of the PTs at. he wasn't my clinical instructor, but he was one of the PTs. So like I have almost a student mentor relationship with him from that in 2013, I think that was, and mm-hmm. we're working on this guy, but now it's in a major league training room on the road. And we're both kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. And it was, it was kind of a cool moment for me because you're like, man, like, like I still feel like Ben's student right now, but we're doing it in a major league training room instead of a PT clinic 10 years ago. So kind of a, uh, uh, that's what, that's what I enjoy the most about every, every day at work is, is the camaraderie of working with a team and knowing that as a group, we work to get these guys back on the field. And then hopefully some of what we do led to, to some of the success and, and put us in the spot that we're in today. Yeah, and speaking of those great clinicians and and kind of the staff you you love going to work with every day, uh, I want to give you some time to mention anyone we haven't talked about who who makes up your uh, staff in Arizona. So um, feel free to to recognize, take a moment to talk about anyone who who works with you in Arizona and kind of I guess helps make your job easier every day. Cool. Um, I mean. I'll, I'll try not to just rattle off our whole staff, right? Because that's that, that's the easy answer and that's the honest answer. <laughs> sure. Is that like every single person on our staff plays a role. And, and the cool thing is like from our next gen students in that program, all the way up to Ken, like we need every single person because everyone plays a role. And when all those roles are played, I think that's what allows us to be 
successful, but there's, there's definitely a few people, um, on the next gen front, like one, one person that I know, like, I know the names that get thrown out when people talk about our organization. There's one guy that maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves. And that's John Herzner. He, he runs our entire next gen internship program. And I, I think that program is like one of the reasons that this team is as good as it is. Cause we just keep finding great students who become great employees. I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of the list, but like, I would say maybe half of our, current employees were, were next gen students at one point. It's just such a great way to like, you know, you're every, every day is kind of an interview for these, these students. You start with phone interviews and you end up in the building as a student. And then every day that you're there, like our team's just getting a little bit more calibrated is like, can this person, you know, lead our team one day? Can this person be, I mean, Kelly is our medical coordinator right now. She was in the next gen program. I was the medical coordinator before, before Kelly, I was in the next gen program. So what what John does to help us find great students and create this amazing program, not not just for us to benefit from, but for the students to benefit from as well, is really awesome. Uh, outside of John, uh, Kelly Boyce and Mike Powell are our, our minor league medical coordinator and our assistant medical coordinator, and they just they do an awesome job. And the way guys have transitioned from the minor leagues to the major leagues this year is a testament to them. I and mean, we had guys that were minor league rehabbers not not very long ago and now they're major league players for us and they're they're on a playoff roster uh let's see who else who else is on that list <laughs> without giving every name mayor walker's our major league physical therapist he handles all of our rehab guys and i mean we've got a, a good list of guys that were at one point major league rehabbers with him that are again they're on our playoff roster right now um vaughn vaughn robinson is um i think his title now is like a skill coordinator skill acquisition coordinator of some sort, but he, he, he wears a lot of different hats in our organization. And one of those is in strength and conditioning. And Vaughn's always been a, a huge mentor of mine. He was kind of the, he was the strength coordinator when I interned in 2014 for the first time. So we, we got to know each other then. And then our, our paths like really collided as the, the medical coordinator. He was a strength coordinator. I was the medical coordinator. And he's just one of those people that on a day-to-day basis, you, you're working together and you're bouncing ideas off of, I mean, just as much as Ken dip Ben and those guys back in 2020 as the medical coordinator, Vaughn was the dude like in the room with me every single day that he, he helped me through a lot of different things. And, and we, we bounced a ton of ideas off of and uh, And then I, I, I got to mention Damon real too. Damon, Damon reels our, our triple a trainer and he's, he's really done an awesome job for us this year. And, and similar to, to what I said about, Kelly and Mike, like there's just so much communication, triple A to major leagues or coordinator to major leagues. And Damon's just been right on top of all that stuff. And he's, he's done an awesome, awesome job with it. He makes, he makes my job a lot easier because there's a lot of times where some guys in the major leagues and then he's down to the minor leagues. And I, I feel like I can shoot Damon one text and he's like, no problem. Got it. And I never hear from him again. And I just know that like, whatever that was that needs to get done, got done and having, having teammates like that goes a long way. So Again, I, I won't, I won't list every single staff member if I feel like I want to right now, but, mm-hmm. but that's, uh, that's hopefully at least a nice list. Yeah. And from the top down, starting with Ken to getting into the people you mentioned, one of the best staffs in the league, no question. And, and clearly you guys have a family atmosphere and it's such a trusting staff over there, which, which makes your job easier every day. Um, Definitely. Uh, well, to wrap up today's show, uh, we're going to finish with a quick Q and a segment called extra bases. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions and let you share some insight 
and a couple of your favorite things about athletic training and baseball. So we'll kick it off at first base. Um, outside of your home training room in Arizona, what is your favorite athletic training room to work in, in the big leagues? I'm going to go with Texas on that one. I, I, I think I like the like newer stadiums I, I, in training rooms. Like there's one thing that I value on a, in a road training room more than anything, which is high, low tables with a face hole. And Texas has a great layout and tons of space and they've got the high, low tables ready to go for you with, with the face holes. So just, just from treating guys on a day-to-day basis, I, I'll, I'll say thank you to Texas for having <laughs> a nice, a nice training room and having the, the visiting training room with the high lows as well. That's, that's always appreciated. So it's a great stadium. It's, it's new. They did an amazing job with it. The whole space is really nice. Uh, but yeah, te- Texas would be my, my favorite road training room. Yeah, we've definitely heard a couple of Texas answers. You can't beat the the space they have and just the proximity to to get into the field too, which is which is awesome. Yeah. So great job awesome. by Jamie Reed, Matt Lucero, all the all the guys down there. Uh moving on to second base. Definitely. Um, you know, you guys are a few of the people who have a front row seat. You're actually in the dugout for major league baseball games. Um, a really nice perk of of the job. Uh yeah. so what's your favorite big league stadium to watch a game from the dugout? Um, so uh, I'll give you two and one's going to be the one that I'm sure you've heard a lot, which was, uh, Wrigley field was really special. So I, I grew up in Boston and I haven't been to Fenway yet. So there's probably a, a spot <laughs> reserved for Fenway once, <laughs> once I, I do get there. But, but for now, R- Wrigley field, which I'm sure you've heard before is, is special. We, we played a, a September Saturday day game at Wrigley and I mean, you, you're taking BP an hour and a half before the game and the place is already more than half full. And at, at first pitch, like it, it was probably the closest thing to the atmosphere that we felt last night in the playoff game. So that was, that was special. And then uh, my, my second answer, which I'm guessing you probably don't hear as often is for just, just for watching the game. I love Oakland. Um, the, the way the Coliseum is, is set up, the dugout is too small to really stand in as a trainer. So you end up standing like off on the home plate side of the dugout, which usually I'm kind of further down the line. So because of like where your spot is in the dugout to stand, you almost end up like behind the catcher, not quite, but like you're just really far down the line. Just the only stadium that I remember sitting there watching and I'm like, man, this is just a cool vantage point for the game Mm -hmm. because I feel more in the game than in any other seat that I've had in any other stadium. So, um, I, I don't know why, but that one, that one stuck out for me as like, uh, just just for the in-game side of things that that Oakland was really cool just the kind of the vantage point that you're watching the game from yeah it's definitely a legendary stadium I think it's a bad rap like what's going on in Oakland now with the team and the fans and the protests and all that stuff but definitely a a cool historical place to watch a game from um moving on to third base uh you know, whether you have different hobbies, uh, food, music, golfing, sports, anything, um, what's your favorite city to visit on the road and kind of take in when you guys are, are traveling? Yeah. Um, that's an easy one for me. Uh, Denver's a city that I've always loved. Uh, my fiance, Corinne actually came on a couple trips with me last year to Denver and we were lucky enough. We had an off day and, and I think just the, like, I don't know how to describe it other than the vibe of that city is such an awesome place to be. And we were both walking around the city just saying like, we just love it here. And every time I'm there, I don't know why, but there's just something about Denver and just like the overall atmosphere. I'm I'm sure the summertime helps there. Like there's tons of people 
outside. There's tons of people like everyone just seems to be in a, a good friendly mood there. So, um, for myself and, and then for my fiance as well, man, Den- Denver's a great city to visit. We, we love going there. Yeah, definitely great to get up in the mountains and enjoy a summer there. Not sure about the winter. Um, could be a little cold, yeah. but uh, if you grew up on the East Coast, you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten – I know a couple of years ago, I think the first series of the season was was we were there in April, and uh, one of our guys went skiing on the off day. So if I ever get a chance to do that, grow, having grown up in New England, that, that'd be a real treat as well. But I, I think game time in April is probably a little bit colder. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, moving on to the last question for today, headed to home plate. Um, so with this being your first year in the big league, super excited to hear this answer. Uh, when you got there um, this year or any point throughout this season, uh, did you have a welcome to the big leagues moment? Yeah, I, I think I did. And it was, it's kind of a, I guess a, a fun story, but um, we were playing a game in, in Philly um, and late in the game, one of our guys fouled a ball off his foot or something. And it was kind of one of those, like he, he limped around long enough where you're like, I I'm pretty confident that he's going to be okay here, but let me go take a look and, and check. And when, when you're late in the game and you got the, the Philly crowd, they, they don't really like waiting anymore. So me and me and Tori start going out there and, and the whole stadium started booing. And I, I don't know why, but there was something about like the eruption of booze as me and Tori walked out onto the field that was like, Whoa, this, like this is a major league stadium right here. And it was funny. I, I called my mom after the game and I was like, mom, you won't believe it. Like, I don't think they were really booing me as much as they were booing the situation, <laughs> but I got, I got booed at a game today. And like <laughs> that, that, that was kind of my, like, like welcome to the big leagues moment is relatively early in our season. And all of a sudden you're out on the field and this, this whole crowd is like reacting to you. Like usually when the trainers run out there to check on somebody, people are relatively quiet. They're just watching to see what, what happens. So hearing a, hearing a crowd erupt in booze as you walk out onto the, onto the field was kind of like, Oh, this, this feels like a big league moment for me. So that, that was probably my, my welcome to the big leagues. Thanks to the, the fans in, in Philly for, for booing on our way out there. <laughs> yeah. Always, always those friendly fans in Philly. And, and I guess that, probably shows you the difference between major league and minor league baseball is, you know, the winning is, is really about most importance over development. So it's, uh, yeah. it's in, cool to hear you got a, a unique experience like that. Uh, well, Max, yeah. thanks so much for joining the show. We really appreciate your time um, and your passion about, you know, for athletic training and sharing all your stories. Uh, we wish you Ken Ryan, the staff there in Arizona, nothing but the best of luck tonight, tomorrow, and hopefully uh, a long playoff run coming up here. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Inside Athletic Training. We hope you've gained valuable insights, inspiration, and knowledge to fuel your athletic training journey. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And also, stay connected with us on pbats.com for more news about athletic training and sports medicine.